stress and overwhelm is a mindset. It's not fact. And if it's a mindset, that means we need tools to better manage ourselves versus changing a fact about our environment. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Listeners, I have a question for you today. How are you? No, seriously, how are you? We've just been through one of the most chaotic years most of us have ever experienced. 2021 shows no sign of slowing down. In fact, it seems to be accelerating change. 61% of IT professionals have reported their stress is higher now than ever before. Your staff is exhausted. You may be exhausted. So I ask you again, how are you? Today, I am joined by Stephanie Cremens. Stephanie is an executive coach who works with leaders and emerging leaders to help them acquire tools to drive change. She is a self-proclaimed pro-troublemaker and the founder of Pro-Troublemaker Nation. Stephanie also loves to fix hot messes and is the host of the Hot Mess Hotline, a podcast for mid-level leaders who think like entrepreneurs. We're going to talk with her today about an area we could all stand to improve, resilience. Welcome to Status Go, Stephanie. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So excited to dig into this topic with you today. I am so excited to talk with you as well. I know we talked about this topic earlier this year with the Indie CIO Network, and it's great to bring it to our audience here on Status Go. Before we dive into resilience, take us on your journey. What led you to be here today? Yeah, uh, so many, so many pivot points, so many pieces of the universe just bringing me and bringing us together, Jeff. But the place that I want to start is, and where I kind of learned my resilience chops, if you will, is I had one of those childhoods that you make a lifetime movie after but not in a good way, not like a Hallmark movie, one of those lifetime after school specials. Um, And so, you know, that that's the sanitized version to, to protect people's confidentiality. But as a child, I didn't have today as a good day. Tomorrow was going to be the good day. And when the next school year started, that was going to be when things were good. So all I had was the future and, and fast forward in my career to getting a master's degree and, and transitioning out of that life and into something much healthier and wealthier, I had a series of career events, and it led me to what I call my first midlife crisis in my early 30s. I trust that I'll have another one at some point, but my first one was in my early 30s, and my soul threatened to jump out of its body because I hated what I was doing. Um, and I came to resent the team that I was working with and I came to resent the job and the organization. And I went to go see a life coach and that life coach helped me get clarity really, really quickly around who I was, who I wanted to be and what I wanted to create in this world. And so within three sessions, I walked out of his office being able to articulate that I never want to work for anyone ever again. 
I never want to have a boss. I have a vision in this world that I want to accomplish and I've got to make it happen on my own. I didn't know what that meant seven years ago, but, and now I think I do, but that's the clarity I got. Two, I'm not a team player. This definition of politicking that we call team playing, I refuse to participate in. And so now I've created a company that brings team playing skills to organizations, not politicking and jockeying skills that we think of, that we get those two things confused. And then the third thing was I need to turn the gift of being that staff member that says what everyone is thinking at the staff meeting, but no one else will say out loud into something people actually value you for. (laughs) versus want to fire you for Mm -hmm. and coaches get to do that. (laughs) So seven years ago, I became a trained coach Mm -hmm. and have brought pro troublemaking skills, which is the opposite of being a troublemaker, the devil's advocate, being a pro troublemaker, a positive change maker to organizations across the country as a change management coach. And then the third layer to this is in 2000, from 2016 to through 2018, My husband and I were foster parents, and we were a week away from birth parents' rights um, being terminated, and we thought we were going to be able to adopt these beautiful little boys that we loved so very much. And she showed up when it was time for termination to proceedings to begin after we'd had them for a long, long time. And within a short amount of time after that, they went to go live with her. And the best way I can describe it is, is my children died, but they didn't die. And for parents who have been through that level of grief, you know what that feels like. And I know that listeners can empathize even if you haven't been through that. And in the process of that, I kept my business going. I grew it by 20%. I asked for help. Um, I had really bad bags under my eyes from crying and losing sleep. And I I learned the strength that it takes to keep going when all you want to do is lay on the couch and cry. And, and I had learned some of those skills as a child because of my childhood, but as an adult, this is when I really had to, to learn how to have strength and vulnerability at the same time so that I didn't break. So, so that I, I, I bent and I, I would flex to the situation, but I could still show up for those around me and allow others to show up for me too. So when the pandemic hit, I had the skills in my back pocket to push through day to day to support my people because I had been through that thing that crushed my soul, crushed my ego, and helped me show up in an even stronger way. Which really takes us right into the topic today, Stephanie. Yes. yes. I've heard you talk a couple of times in the last couple of months about resilience and resiliency. So why resilience and why now? Why is it so important to be speaking about this now? Yeah. So a couple of things. You know, we're we're recording this pretty much exactly a year out from when the world shut down, especially here yeah, in Indiana. Yeah. So the anniversary is not lost on me. But we saw several different types of stress responses from our people. One is overreaction, just kind of complete, like go into frantic decision-making mode and kind of the hair on fire mentality, right? We've got to do this. We got to do it right now. We got to keep going. That does actually serve a purpose, um, but it's not sustainable for more than like a week. <laughs> and, and you're going to annoy the heck out of your <laughs> colleagues if you stay in that mode for too long. 
then the other stress response we saw was the shutdown mode. Oh, this isn't that big of a deal. Oh, we're just going to wait this out, but we're going to continue as is. Like just hunker down and, you know, the world will come back alive and, and we'll figure it out then. Um, except there was never a point when you could figure it out. Like there was never, there's never been a point where we could make longer term decisions like we could in 2019, because this is not the same scenario. Resilience is the skill that will allow us to bend, to, to flex, to be the slinky that stretches out as far as it can. I'm a Gen X kid and I love my metal slinky growing up, but that slinky would stretch and stretch and stretch and flip down the stairs and then come back to its original shape. That's what resilience is. It doesn't bend until it breaks. It doesn't not move at all. It bends, it flexes, and it comes back together. That's what resilience is. And people think because the you know, the drastic impact of the pandemic on us really impacted us over about a 10-week time frame from mid-March to end of May. Then we were able to kind of walk back out into the world in small steps. We kind of had glimpses of what the near-term future was going to be. But we think because it hit us hard and fast in 10 weeks, we just need another 10 weeks to come out of it. And disasters don't strike like that. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think about the way a hurricane impacts a community, it hits hard and fast over about seven hours. It's a two-year rebuilding timeframe. The same is going to be true for our economy, for our community, for our social structures, for our health structures to come out of what drastically hit us hard in 10 weeks. We need a good two years to come out of this. This is resilience is going to be the thing that's going to get us through the, the marathon. I love how you described the initial reactions to this, because I think for a lot of our listeners being IT professionals, and I'll stereotype a little bit here, we love to be the hero. We (laughs) love to come in and Mm -hmm. fix people's problems. That's a large part of why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. And so that initial initial rush of, hey, we're going to send everybody home and we're going to work from home put so many demands on the IT team to make that all happen. And I'm, I'm happy to report for a large part, we were very successful at doing that mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of organizations. But I think it was that it was that inner hero that took over that gave us that mm-hmm. rush. Uh, and then as it drug on and drug on and drug on, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is just wearing on me. And yes. so. As, as you think back to 2020 and get past that initial rush, those initial few weeks, how did you see that starting to manifest itself, that weariness in people? Where did you see that come out? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think we do need to acknowledge our IT superheroes. There were a lot of people that got a lot of credit, but IT did not get enough credit. So we should say that first and foremost here, like way to go. You all did an amazing job. Second, the thing that I see leaders do is they forget to step out of the urgent and important decision-making that a crisis demands. So a crisis does demand instantaneous decision-making, pivoting at a moment's notice, um, bringing in resources just as fast as you can. When we start to transition into more of a recovery model, which is generally, well, let let me back up. Let me say it this way. With this pandemic, 
the recovery model and being able to step into longer term decision making really didn't start to happen until about September of last year. So that's a good, you know, five, six months after the initial impact. And, and then in September, October, November, what I was hearing was, well, we'll just wait till 2021. Something about the the bell ringing yeah. on January 1st, 2021, something magical was supposed to happen. I don't know what that was. Um, and so then people went into that yeah kind of delayed, like, oh, we're just going to wait it out. And so it was almost like we went from a high of let's respond all the time to everything as if it's an on fire 911 emergency to, all right, we're just going to wait it out. And what I think would have been a more resilient response and what I saw from some of my clients was, you know what, we are in a waiting period this fourth quarter of 2020. But we're going to prep the heck out of 2021. We're going to make all the decisions we can right now. So when first quarter comes next year, we've got new budget dollars. We've got new energy. We've got um, maybe new people coming onto the team. We are going to be ready to go and and come out ready to fight for this marathon that is ahead of us. I just mixed my metaphors. I apologize. But we're going to be ready <laughs> versus sitting and waiting for 2021 to start. So the most resilient teams that I was working with were prepping, getting getting their supplies in order, getting their plans in place so they could come out strong in 2021. Non-resilient teams and leaders were hunkering down for the last quarter, just kind of sitting there waiting for January 1 to come. So really big difference. Are you prepping and planning, which is part of your waiting, or are you just sitting there being paralyzed, waiting for some magical date to come? I feel like I got off topic there. (laughs) No, no, no. Then the bell did toll, right? And Mm -hmm. and the new year started. Mm -hmm. And nothing magical happened. We're still in this situation. And and now we have leaders across the country, across the world, really, that are faced with the decision of how and when and if to bring people back into the offices. How, How are you counseling your clients to think about that and make that decision? Yeah. So there's multiple factors at play here, obviously. One is the vaccine issue. Um, and I think one of the foundational questions leaders, particularly HR leaders and senior leadership teams, um, which I know involve my my IT leaders listening in here, is do we require vaccination? How do we, you know, document that? That's a really big question. I don't want to pretend to provide counsel on that because that's a whole other area of expertise. The layer that I'm gonna add into this is Studies are showing right now, and it is idiosyncratic based on your team's cultures, but overall studies are showing that productivity is going up, and that's in part because people are working more, um, which isn't a good thing, Mm -hmm. but also people are working in a way that best meets their needs, which that is a good thing. But we know that creativity and collaboration are going down. Creativity, collaboration, and like human connection are going down. So if human connection is going down, trust is going down. If trust is going down, the ability to address conflict is going down. If that's going down, you're not going to see the new results that you need to create in 2021 and beyond. So you're hampering your team is my perspective. The opportunity in front of us is to increase accountability. Because accountability equals a sense of accomplishment, 
and people want to feel accomplished, I think the opportunity in front of us is to say, how can we put work back in its right place instead of taking over our entire lives like it was? How can we put work back into the container mm -hmm. that it deserves to be in versus pervading every moment of our lives physically and mentally? So I think the opportunity as an IT leader is to encourage your folks to do work when you do work and, 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 and do work at work with people because you need to have trust, conflict, commitment, accountability in order to reach those new results that you want to see um, as a team and as an individual. Increase the focus. How can we use IT to help make that happen versus using IT to increase distraction and tech and tools and noise? How can we use IT to increase focus, accountability, and a, a priority for the results that matter at work, not all the results. I think it's an interesting problem for leaders right now because I think the default, if you will, is, oh, we're just going to bring people back. We're going to have a hybrid model where some people are in the office, some people are, are, are not, maybe two or three days a week, whatever, whatever the default decision might be. But what you're really encouraging them to do is to rethink how work gets done mm -hmm. and take the advantages of both the in-office and the remote work. And you're asking them to think creatively at a time when our creativity is low because mm. we don't have we, we don't have our peers necessarily to bounce those ideas off of. And, and I just think that puts the leader in an interesting position. Yeah, that's a really great point. And, and for me, that goes back to, as a leader, what are you doing to build your own resilience? Mm -hmm. um, what are you doing to take care of yourself to step out of that bubble? Because it's really easy and we're really good at leaders of staying engaged with work all of the time. And for anyone who's ever had one of those genius shower thoughts, you know <laughs> that stepping away from work is where the creativity comes in. And yes. what this pandemic has forced us to do is to rethink how do we step out of work when our work is in the dining room, <laughs> at the dining room yeah, table yeah, or in that yeah. spare bedroom. And so it's finding ways I hate to use this because it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. It's how do you find ways for self-care? How do you silence that cell yeah. phone? Maybe you need two cell phones, one for personal and one for work, so you can turn off the work one. You know, how do you just take an afternoon to mow the lawn and think about nothing else? Travel is not the best option right now, but if you need it, find a safe way to make it happen so you can get away. What is it that you yeah. need to do to, to um, as Stephen Covey says, because I've been reading a lot of Stephen Covey lately, sharpen the saw. You have to find your way of doing mm -hmm. that before you can lead your team. It's just hands down, step one, non-negotiable. So how do you teach leaders and teams, how do they build their resiliency? Mm -hmm. How is that developed? What things can you talk to our listeners about that they can do to help build that within themselves? Yeah. 
So I want to share with you what I've been practicing and what I've been sharing with my teams to practice. Step one is create focus. So start every day by identifying the three things that must get done that day. And trust me, managing your inbox is never one of the top three. (laughs) Checking all the dings and the pings on your phone are never part of your top three if you're going to be a strategic IT leader. So finding a way to start your day with the most important and urgent work is always the step one. And what I've learned from that practice over this past year is what a dysfunctional relationship I have with time. I've had to admit to that, admit that to myself because I'm one of those human beings that thinks, oh, that's like a a 27 minute project. And two hours later when I'm still doing it, I get so frustrated at myself. So I have to commit (laughs) to getting the important work done, not spending 30 minutes on it like my brain tends to think that it would take. And I know I'm not alone. That's why I share that. Yes. (laughs) Says every IT professional ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's why y'all are my people. (laughs) This is what we do. Yeah, that's Um, right. That's right. Oh, that'll just take a week to transition all that data over to the new server. No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I've worked with IT people. I know how y'all are wired. But yeah, so... (laughs) Creating focus for yourself and for your team, I believe, is step one, because the reality is stress and overwhelm is a mindset. It's not fact. And if it's a mindset, that means we need tools to better manage ourselves versus changing a fact about our environment. I don't know if you have too much work on your plate or not, but the feeling that you have that you feel overwhelmed is just taking time away from actually digging into that. So you've got to find focus for yourself, for your team. You've got to figure out, you've got to ask yourself, how do I want to feel? So right now you feel overwhelmed. How do you want to feel? Do you want to feel joyous? Do you want to feel calm? Okay, start doing that. Like start practicing that because again, the feeling of overwhelm is in your brain. You can change that script. This is why I'm a trained life coach. I got to help people with this stuff. Um, But it's mindset. And then- (laughs) The question, there's two questions I've been asking myself throughout this process and asking my teams. Will it matter in 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 months, or 10 years? And chances are the answer is uh, different yeah. for those different time frames. Which one, which time frame is more important? And I got that from an Oprah magazine probably a decade ago. But that question has transformed my life. Will this matter in 10 minutes, 10 months, or 10 years? Yeah. That's great. So take action as appropriate. Reframe it. Because in 10 years, it probably won't matter. Calm down. Just calm down. Um, (laughs) And then the other question that I think is really powerful for leaders, especially at the strategic level, is you have to ask yourself, what is the story I want to tell about this situation when it's over? Ah, I like that. How do I want to frame up how I showed up as a leader during this time? Based on that answer, what do you need to do today in order to tell that story? Do you want to be able to look back and say, you know what? I led my people with purpose and focus, and we made strategic decisions. We made hard, big decisions, even when we didn't really want to. Or do you want to look back and say, you know what? The story you have to tell is I let the fire get out of control. I let the daily fires take over us and our team, and we worked with urgency way longer than we needed to. We never step back into a place of focus and purpose and balancing the urgent with important. 
I love that so much that the idea of we create the future that we want to have. Yes. So asking yourself that specific question, what is the future? What is Mm -hmm. the story that I'm going to tell Mm -hmm. a a year from now, two years from now about how 2021 was? Yes. Yes. You get to decide that today. You get to make that story happen. And it's a decision that we make every day. That goes back to your focus, right? And that you start every day with focus. You make that decision each and every day of the future that you're going to create, whether it's the the future of the day, the week, the month, or the year. Mm -hmm. So developing resilience seems like such a personal um, thing. It's a personal trait. And, you know, you related some of what created the resilience in you. And, And I'm sure our listeners are thinking to their own stories about some things that they've overcome and mm-hmm. the strengths that they had that they developed because they overcame those things. How do you build mm-hmm. that in a team? Yeah. So the steps are actually the same according to Harvard Business Review. Those are my that's my go-to place for resilience research. But in the layer that I would add in before you get to defining a team's focus to identifying how the team will feel as a group. And before you get to helping the team see the bigger picture, you've got to start with trust, conflict, commitment, and accountability. And so if any of my friends have read read Patrick Lencioni's um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, I'm a big believer in, in this process. And that's why I offer it to my clients is because trust is the foundation of everything. And what's the first thing to get, that goes out the window when people get stressed out? It's trust of themselves and of others. And so I believe that this is the time for teams to redefine what trust looks like, how you embrace conflict in a hybrid environment, and then ultimately, how do you get people to commit mm-hmm. again? How do you get people to hold themselves and others accountable? Because you're going to be asked to achieve new results. New results require new habits. New habits require trust, conflict, commitment, and accountability. There's no getting around it. That's the foundation for doing that of how the work gets done. And so as a team, you've got to figure out your norms or your rules for how you do that in a, in a new way. Yeah. Do you recommend or are you recommending that here we are in the, the first part of 2021, that teams find a way to come together physically come together to work out those new norms in a in a safe but face-to-face way? Absolutely. I've done it three times already with teams this year in 2021 because it's essential. There is a safe way to do it. And I say that as a person whose spouse is heading up the state of Indiana's COVID yeah. response. So we yeah. follow yeah. all the guidelines, of course, because we never want to risk that. But there is very little that can replace the physical connection that happens when you're all in a room. Um, there are limitations to Zoom, as we've all experienced. There's many <laughs> things that Zoom can, or you know, any virtual product can do for us, um, but nothing replaces getting people together to hash that out and setting those expectations together. You know, whether or not you bring in an, an external voice to do that, which I always recommend because I've seen the benefits of that, but as a mm-hmm. as the leader of a team, you do need to get your folks together to hash it out. And 
do kind of like a pre-mortem, right? Like how is this team going to work together moving forward? Let's set those rules. What could go wrong? All right, let's create some contingency plans around the three things that could go wrong this year. So we're prepared with action when they do, because we all know no plan goes according to plan. So what are we going to do when we, when we're asked to pivot? It goes back to what you were talking about from the leader's perspective, creating the future that you want. Mm -hmm. You help the teams talk about the future that they want as a team. What does that look like and feel like from a team perspective? Now, what are the steps that we use to implement that? I think that's, that's a great way to, to sum up both the leader and the team member. Yes. Yes. And I I think the key lesson here is, you know, what a lot of my clients learned during the pandemic is that there was a lot more out of their control than they really believed. And now that we've been through it, there's a lot more within our control than we really knew. And we're not at the mercy of work. We're not at the mercy of all these factors. We have a lot more choices and a lot more control than than we realize that we do. And there's a lot more that we can push back on our companies and our team leaders and ask them to step up that maybe we haven't done before. And this is our opportunity to do it. You know, Cy Wakeman says, call people to greatness. Now is the time to call people to greatness. You all have such important work in front of you. Now is the time to step up, not give in, take control and create certainty where you can and let the other stuff fall where it will. Stephanie, I always love talking to you because I'm getting pumped up, right? I'm I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So uh, when I think of you, I think about action, you know, pro troublemaker, you fix hot messes, all those things about you, I think action. And that's one of the reasons why we created status go is because we want to inspire action in our listeners. So what are one or two things that our listeners can do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? Yes. I love it. Yeah. And I do, you're right. I have a bias towards action. Sometimes it gets me in trouble (laughs) in a bad way. (laughs) And sometimes it gets me in a good kind of trouble. (laughs) But we always got to be taking action in my opinion. So here are my recommendations. Listen to this podcast. Start tomorrow morning by putting on a post-it note, the three things you must get done. What are the three most important things? You know, there's a book called The One Thing and um, by Gary Keller. And he talks about this one question. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? I read that question every single morning because I have a dysfunctional relationship with time to help me focus. (laughs) So get out that post-it note and write down the three things you must accomplish that day. Make them non-negotiables for you as a leader. I want you to ask your team and one by one or collectively, what's your one wildly important goal right now? What is it? What do you need to make that happen and work to make it happen? Take action. Get focused on what you need and what your team members need. And the rest becomes noise and naturally falls away. That's excellent because as, you, as you've said, when you have that focus, you can draw upon the strength of your resilience that you've developed over time to yes. focus on the one thing that's important and the 
And I, I love the way you describe it. The noise falls away. Yep. Those things that you keep Here's what I found for myself and my leaders. Those things that you keep procrastinating on, so you move them from one post-it note to the next day's post-it note to the next day's post-it note. Once you've done that three times, delegate that away to someone where it is wildly important to them. Stop procrastinating Mm -hmm. on it. Chances are it's probably not the best use of your time. (laughs) Get more into a strategic mindset and delegate that away so it doesn't get delayed. You've been looking at my post-it notes again, I know, because <laughs> you just described my system. That's that's great. Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to talk to our audience today. I really appreciate the way that you give to the IT community. I think that is tremendous. And I know I speak for, for all of us that we just so appreciate your insights. So thank you for sharing those with us today. Oh, you're so sweet, Jeff. The pleasure is all mine. This is this is the good stuff about life, my friends. And I just, I love being in the trenches with folks doing the hard work. So it, it's an honor. So thank you. For our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Stephanie Crevens. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.